0: Jesus House in Pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to today's Bible study. my name is Bumi Ullwadi, and I'll be taking the meeting this evening. Um, before we start, can I just um, ask that we just uh, just go to God in prayer before we start, and just commit the whole session into His hands, Heavenly Father, our God and our King. We just want to thank you for today. We thank you for another week where we can gather together to. Look into your word and to learn from your word. Father, we are grateful to you that you preserved your word over these years to enable us to learn from you. We are just so grateful. Thank you. Father, many of us have been at work today and perhaps maybe we're a little tired. Father, we just ask that your presence will just be with us. To energize us, to open our hearts, our ears, and our understanding. Holy Father, I pray look, just as Lord Jesus did, He opened them, He opened the understanding of the disciples so they could comprehend the scriptures. We ask that you will open our understanding at this hour, to understand the scriptures and to understand what you're saying. Holy Spirit, it is not I who can do this, it is you who teaches. So I just ask that you, the author of the book, will just overshadow me and use me and put your words in my mouth. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We yield everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Father. In Jesus Christ's name, we've prayed. Okay, so let's start. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to today's um, Bible study. Um, Today, we'll be looking at a Topic that we have looked at several times on this Bible study, um, and again, I—it's—it's uh, it's about prayer. I did try to get away from it because I thought we've done this to bits, but um, the Lord didn't let me get away from it. So we're going to look at it, and um, the topic or title for today will be what Jesus said about prayer, and that's the way he he gave it to me, so I'm just releasing it exactly to you as the same thing, what Jesus said about prayer. So let's start. Um, We're going to look at um, a specific scripture. We're going to look at two scriptures, but um, the first one will be from Luke chapter 11 from verses 1 to 13. Luke chapter 11 from verses 1 to 13. Now, I probably cannot do two things at the same time. I put stuff in the chat as well as um, uh, speak and read at the same time. So um, I'll repeat myself a few times. If you want to make notes, that will be great. So we'll start with Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to read first and foremost from verses 1 to, verses, uh, to 13, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and it reads... Now it came to pass as, as he was praying in a certain place when he seized that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And verse five, (laughs) and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend lend me 3 loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and i have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot rise and give you and give to you i say to you Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father amongst you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Fascinating, fascinating scripture. Okay, I'll come back to that in a minute. I want to read the second second uh, set of scriptures that we will that will be the base or foundation for our discussion today, um, and that's taken from Luke chapter eighteen, and it's verses one to eight. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. And I'm sure we're all very aware of these um, particular scriptures, so it's nothing new, but um, I will um, read them again. Um, so, Luke chapter 18, from verses 1, reading from verse 1 to verse 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain, there was In a certain city, a judge who did not fear God, nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because This widow troubles me. Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Amen. Now, um, when 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 I knew I was going to take this meeting, I started as I usually do, asking the Lord. Okay, Lord. Well, well actually started when, when I was asked, I, I thought, okay Lord, let me, let me pray, let me ask the Lord. And as I prayed, suddenly um, the Holy Spirit began to take me through so many different scriptures. I did actually I sat down there for almost 30 minutes and I was just meditating and scriptures were just popping and he was just taking me all around the whole place. So I knew that He wanted me to take the meeting. Um, but it was so much that I suddenly panicked. Um, and then he said something to me, He said, in the first two, in Luke chapter eleven, right, he has two um, two types, or let me call them, let me use the word dimension. Two dimensions of prayer in there. One, the first one is um, seen in verses two to four, where we approach God as Father. So, of course, the start of that scripture says, our Father in heaven. So we approach God and we address him as our Father. The second one he then pointed out was from verse 5 to 8, where he talks about a friend. A friend coming to another another friend uh, to ask for something on behalf of a friend who's come on his journey so a little bit a little bit of a convoluted way of saying it so let me put it this way so it's just like okay i have a friend who's come to come to me come to my house um and as they've come to my house i now need to provide something for them or provide for them but i don't have what it is that i need to provide for them so i go next door to my other friend, my my neighbor next door, and I knock on their door at twelve midnight, saying, "Hey, please, can I have some? Can I have some? Some in this case, bread for for my for my friend who's come a long way." Um, and then he explained this in the way that um, this is like somebody because, of course, it's a parable, so it's not necessarily um, um, a straightforward. Um, description or explanation of of an event. It talks about something deeper, even though there's a surface meaning to it. But the bottom line is, this is an indication of when um, we go to God on behalf of someone else. We call that intercession. And we go to God to ask God for something on behalf of someone else. And we do those two things very well. A lot of them. Most of our prayers generally are in line with going to God as our father and going to um, and going to God as a friend on behalf of someone else in intercession. So generally we are um, we, we, we are comfortable with that. So for today, I'm not really going to spend any time on that. I just wanted to build the to, to give the understanding on that. So we'll go back to Luke eighteen, and in this one, the parable talks about um, an, a widow who goes to a judge, and that's where that's was where he 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 wanted me to sort of park today, and us approaching him as a judge, and I will say the reason up front, and the reason is because we often. Don't do this um, uh, enough is basically the, the the way the way he put it. We often don't do it enough um, because I guess maybe we maybe maybe it's maybe it's understanding. Maybe it's um, it's not something that we're well aware of it. So we're going to try and unpack that today in the um in, in a way. I will try and unpack that. So. Um, like I said, I'm not going to dwell on the first two. Um, so in this particular scripture, um, Jesus points out there are a number of things that we can pick up. And again, I'm not going to dwell on every single thing, but I'll just, you know, pick up the, the very specific ones. Right? Well, we just pick up the very specific ones and uh, uh, and emphasize that. Um, and it will be 7.14 in a few seconds. So I will sort of pause here and um, just uh, we will take our declaration first
1: and then I will continue from that point on in a few minutes. Okay, so... It's almost like watching paint dry, watching the talk, the clock click, tick on. Um, right, okay. Let's get ready. Right. So, um, okay. So let's go. Oh Lord, we are your
0: people. Called by your name, we humble ourselves, we pray, and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways, hear from heaven, Lord, forgive our sins, and heal our land. In the name of Jesus, in in Jesus' name we pray. Now, we declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so going back to the scripture in Luke, the first thing that we wanted I wanted to um, point out, or the first thing that wants to point out is that Jesus sets this account in the context of a courtroom. So he presents this as a judge who sits in in a courtroom, and um, there is a widow who comes and says, Grant me. Uh, justice from my adversary now in that there are a few things the word adversary or actually the word grant get get me justice as it says in the new in the new king james version is actually the word that says avenge and that word actually means you know vindicates me or retaliate on my behalf or punish on my behalf in itself. So she's coming to the judge to say, look, this person uh, uh, her, uh, uh her, her, her has wronged me or whatever the, the case may be. Um vindicate me, yeah, in there. But this the 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 person, the or the the adversary in this case, the word used for adversary is very interesting. Um, it's used five times in, scri- in scripture, and four out of those five times, it's used in the in in the courtroom setting, as one who stands um, uh, as an opponent. Or one who stands as uh, um, what would you call it um, po- an opponent at law. So this is this person is standing against against you, and we know from scripture in some in um, Luke, uh, not not Luke. Um, what's the word? First um, Peter in First Peter that um, he tells us that the, the um, Devil, our adversary, First Peter 5.8, that our adversary, the devil, goes around looking for him who he, um, he would um, uh, devour. So the scripture helps us to identify the adversary. that case yeah i'm going somewhere so just 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 bear with me it may may be a bit slow for now but uh, i will, will it will it will become clear so here is a widow she has an adversary one who opposes her one who doesn't want her to have whatever it is that she has and then she goes to a judge and she says judge grant me um justice for my adversary yeah so if you Picture a courtroom. You have the judge in there. You have the um, accuser, uh, the, the 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 adversary on one end, and you have the the woman, the widow, a defendant on the other end, saying, "Lord, grant me justice from my adversary." Yeah, that picture we can see repeated in Revelation chapter twelve, verse ten. And I'm going to read that. Um, Revelation chapter. 10, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, chapter 12, verse 10. And it says, then I heard a loud voice saying in, in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So here we see what you can call the ministry of the, de- of the devil or of the accuser of the brethren um, who stands as an opponent to us at all times to stand before God and to accuse us day and night, right? So um, we, he sets the scene and says that, okay, so now she goes and then she's very persistent um, and, then the, and the judge then turns around and says, okay, fine. I'll do this. I'll
1: grant you your your um, your request, um, so you
0: don't weary me. So that that was that. That's the context of what it is. Now, from our perspective, we have an adversary. That accuses us before God day and night. but most of the time we're not there. We don't even have a clue what's going on. Let's take a look at Job, because that's a good example, an explanation of those things that happen in the background. So we'll have a read of Job, and we're going to read from Job chapter one, verse seven to 12, and I'm going to read that again in the New King James Version. Job chapter one, verses seven to 12. quickly Right. OK. so It says, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and all and around all that he has on every side? Uh, You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face and the lord said to satan behold all that he has is in your power only do not lay a hand on him on his person so satan went out from the presence of the lord so right here we see an account of something going on, and Job was totally unaware of it. This was something going on in heaven. And you know, something struck me this time around when I read it, and the, the, God always does this, and I just love Him for it. Um, in verse 8, it says that then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? See that word considered or translated considered in the New King James Version basically says, set your heart on. That's what that's that's the Hebrew, the the, the, the literal translation of the Hebrew word is set your heart on. And that made me start to think. That actually, God wasn't probably showing off to, um, to, you know, about Job and 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 boasting about Job, saying, "Oh, have you considered my servant Job?" You no, know, he probably just had looked at um, um, what Satan, what was in Satan's heart. And was only saying oh you have set your heart your heart on my servant job that that he's one of those that he's not there's not like him on the earth a blameless and upright man um and i say that mainly because of job's um, the, satan's response not because of the not just because of that statement itself that you have set my heart on it but job had obviously considered him but he had realized that there was a hedge of protection around him, not just him, but his household and everything that he had. And so he had looked at it and said, there's no way I can touch this guy because, of course, there's a hedge around it. So God's seen that in his heart. And then he, he goes on and then he says to, he says to him, is that, OK, I see that you have considered, this is my interpretation. I see that you have considered my servant Job, you know, he's an upright man and good. And Satan then says, Oh, really? He's only doing that because you blessed him. You know, you take away all of those things, he will will curse you to his face, you know. Um, And if I move further down into chapter two, and um, if I read um, verse three, um, again, say there was another day Satan was there um, again before God. And again, God asked him the same question, Where are you from? And he goes on to say where he was from. And then God then said, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? And then he goes on to add, And still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And those all of putting that together basically seems shows me just like an adversary who goes before the Lord and makes a request to say, look. I, 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 want to, I want to challenge this guy, or I want to test him, or I want to do something uh, against, against the guy. So he goes to seek permission to do everything. I guess that shows us something that the devil can do nothing without permission from God. He has to get permission. But how does he get that permission? We'll touch on that a bit, because I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but we'll touch on that a bit. But I want to point out another example, slightly different, but again in the same vein. And so, if we look at um, uh, uh, Luke, it's Luke, again, let me just find it. Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22. And I'm going to just go there, Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Luke chapter Twenty-two verses thirty-one and twenty-two, and then it reads, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. When did Satan ask um, for, for for to sift Simon? We don't know, but the Lord Jesus Christ knew because he was aware. So there was a day in heaven again when Satan asked. To permission to sift Simon, to sift Simon or Simon Peter as, as we know him. And the Lord says, but instead of saying, oh, we've preven- we prevented him or we're not going to let him, it's interesting the way the Lord responds. It says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So again, in that account, we can see somehow the Satan had gone to God and said, this Peter guy, yeah, I want to test him. Maybe because um, Peter was um, was going to say, uh, um, you know, when Jesus said oh, that all of you are going to be made to stumble, he said, never, I'm never going to stumble. I mean, I would die for you. Maybe, I, I don't know, this is me just, 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 um, just thinking it through in there. But whatever the case, the fact that is recorded for us is that Satan, went to God to ask to sift Peter as wheat." Again, another example of what happened with Job in, um, in um, chapter one of, um... so the devil seeks permission. And I dare say that's what he does even today for us, especially where we may have made some mistakes, some errors, maybe we said something, maybe we sinned, maybe we did something. And then he then goes, but we don't even have a clue when he's gone or what kind of permission he 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 he's requesting and whether or not the permissions were granted or not we have no clue we go on merrily in our on our day in our in our in our day doing what it is that we we do in there but we don't really know what's going on in there so the questions are really how can we prevent him from getting permissions Against us, and even if he gets a permission, what can we do to ensure or to stop it or to change it or to restore whatever the case may be? Because if we look at the accounts of both Job and Peter, yes, they went through a period of difficulty and challenge, but at the end of it, they were both restored. So there is there is something. Well, very quickly, and again, I don't want to really dwell on this one, but we get some hints from. Um, Job's life or the description that God gave of Job when he said that he was a blameless, yeah? So that was meant that um, he was um, morally innocent, uh, having integrity, one who was morally and ethically pure. So basically he, um, um, what's his name? Job, you couldn't find any fault with Job in that way. So the first one was blameless. The second was his upright, meaning straightforward, he's just, he's righteous, he's fair in, in his dealings. The third one was he feared God. So he was reverent, he was reverent. And um, I guess I could use the word afraid because that's one of the, one of the, one of the words that, that they use. But basically he, he, reverent, he was reverent towards God. He feared God in the sense that he followed and obeyed what God what God was doing. And the fourth one, he said, he shuns evil. He turns away from evil. He turns aside, departs and avoids or rejects evil in his way. So those four things um, were the things that God said about him. And of course, if we can do the same thing, then of course, we then have the hedge of protection around us as well, because that was what um, was around Job, he had the head of protection around him, his family, his goods, his work, everything in there. So we can, but we know that being human, we make mistakes. <laughs> and so every now and again, that that can happen. But we also know that in Proverbs 26.2, Proverbs six two. Um, And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation, but Proverbs 26.2, it says, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. So basically, if someone has, if someone, um, there's no reason, then a person will not be affected by a curse or by whatever it is that the devil so in in other words if um there is no reason the devil will not be able to get any permissions um done in there so that's another reason why um we could or how we could stop it is making sure that there is nothing that the devil can hold on to in our lives again we know from experience it's not quite easy to do that and the third reason why how, how we can prevent Satan or at least um, stop his, um, reduce what he can hold on to is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, and um, again we know that because Jesus paid the price in full for our sins on the cross. You know, he did say it is finished, paid in full. Because of that, every sin every iniquity, every transgression has already been paid for by his blood. Now, for us, it is now a question of how do we use what we have to ensure that the devil doesn't get a foothold in there? Okay, and one of the ways is that quickly when we realize maybe we've sinned, maybe we've said something, is to quickly repent of it. So go before God, Quickly repent, we know all of this, and I'm just going through this as in as in as in um, just a build up to where it is that i'm I'm actually heading in in there, but repentance is key yeah um and what I have done is i've just noted out a few things because I haven't been um, a Christian for a, a number of years when we when it comes to repentance I, I i at least I found myself just oh I repent, I repent but I had I didn't really take in exactly how the scripture talks about repentance. So I'm just going to reel off a few things, um, and at the end of it, I well not at maybe towards the end, I'll share um, a PDF in the chat, um, which is just a summary of my notes all put together. So you 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 could you should be able to download it and be able to use it. Um, 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 you should be able to. To read and see what those things are, so you don't have to, you know, struggle to remember it right now. But um, let let, let me move on. So when we talk about repentance, um, we're talking about being sorrowful for what has what we've done for the sins that we've committed, denouncing it or rejecting it, not agreeing with it. In there, asking for forgiveness and cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ, agreeing with what the blood says about us, what He says about us, that it's paid in full, uh, agreeing with that, um, um. taking steps to not do it again so we plan we think about it and put into place things that will not allow us to do it again and pray and pray and ask for help to not do it again um so those are those are just some 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 points about repentance in there okay so one of those ways in which we can do it is quick repentance to make sure that okay the devil doesn't really have anything why because Jesus um, because the scriptures tell us that our sins are blotted out. So once we repent, they are blotted out. So there's no record of it anymore. So even if he goes looking, he won't find it. And even if he takes it and goes before God, God will say, I, 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 "I, sorry, there's no record of it. I can't see it. Don't know. Don't know anything about it. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed it clean and there's no record of it anymore. So he can't hold us to it in itself but there are many ways that the devil can still do these things because he's he's a crafty crafty um person um in there so we we can't rule out that there might be the times when he might be able to get some permissions for some reason and we don't really know why god grants those permissions you know in the case of um job maybe it was a question of Making him grow or realize certain things. Um, um, maybe it's a question of just letting him remember or you know rem- remember that he's human, or maybe he's teaching some things, or in that adversity, there is a growth that happens. I don't really know, I can't really tell you. <laughs> There's no real explanation in the scriptures as to why um, God will do that. But there are many scriptures where you can read and you can see the hand of Satan involved in it um, there's some that you will find about David as well um, when um, when um, David did the center the census and I think it's in um, second Kings 21 if I if I'm correct uh, no not that not second Kings 21 uh, da, 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 da. I don't remember let me see if I can quickly find it if not I'll just move on and, and come back to it later um, but David basically um, Numbered the numbered the um, the children of Israel, and as a result of that, God was upset, and um, there was a plague that came into to Israel. But there are two accounts of that particular um, that particular um, or Second Chronicles. It is yes, um, there are two accounts of that particular incident, and in the account in Second Chronicles, it actually says Satan rose up against Israel and moved david to to i'll find this i'll, I'll find the scripture later on and moved david uh, to number israel and as a result of that he um, this plague came on on israel so there are different scenarios where satan does things to cause us to trip up so that he can get some permission or what i call legal right to do something, afflict us, trouble us, whatever it might be that that the permission is granted because we don't really know um, why or when. But even when that has happened, what do we do? What can we do, All right? Okay, we want to look at um, a particular scripture. I love this scripture, Genesis chapter 18 from verses 16 to 33. Now, because of time, I'm not going to read through the whole scripture, but Genesis chapter 18, from verses 16 to 33 um and this is the account of abraham interceding on behalf of uh, sodom and gomorrah but it is very interesting and instructive the way this happens again right and um remember we're still looking at approaching god as the judge yeah so we're still looking in the case of a courtroom. There is a judge and we are approaching God as a church, judge asking that he will grant us favor or justice from our adversary, from the one who is hindering us, stopping us, afflicting us, whatever it might be that we're experiencing. Um, we can we can um, we can go to God um, in in there. Um, to, to, to seek that redress from him. So I want, to, I want us to look at this scripture. So we know the story. Um, God had, uh, well, the Lord had been to Abraham. We, uh, three of them had gone to Abraham. And when they were leaving, Abraham followed them out. And then the Lord says to, he says, uh, would I keep what I'm about to do in Sodom? And this is me paraphrasing um, from Abraham. And and then he says, no, and then he decides to let Abraham know what's going on. So I'm going to pick it up from verse um, 20. And he says,
1: excuse, excuse me. And then he says, he says, and the Lord
0: said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Now, again, this is interesting. And I I went to town on this on that particular one because I, I, I could see a few things in there, but I'm not going to I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But. If we follow the words that it says, there was an outcry that came to God, right? However, that outcry came to him. There was an outcry that came to him. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the outcry and the sin of Sodom was very great. So the Lord says, okay, I'm going to go and have a look and I will know if it is actually as it is. So this is a scenario where, again, some report has come to God. Um, Maybe perhaps, I I, I don't think it was from Satan anyway, but maybe perhaps a cry out for righteousness or judgment or justice or whatever it might be has come to him. And then he's going there to, he has to answer it because he's a righteous judge and he has to answer it. So he's going to look, but he decides to tell his friend, uh, Abraham, Okay. Now, of course, and this is one of the benefits of being a friend of God, is that God will tell us things that he's about to do or things that are going to happen, and he will tell us. Now, why does he tell us? We can speculate about it, but I would like us to read what happened with Abraham when God told him that. Verse 23, He then says, And Abraham came near and said, Now, the in.'" It's very interesting the word "came near," because the, the word "came near" is um, is or "draw near," whichever 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 translation or version you're reading. The, it's, it's a Hebrew word that means to come closer, but it's also a word that is used for sexual intercourse. Intercourse, yeah. Um, so in the use of that word in this scripture it's talking about an intimacy a point of intimacy. So Abraham was with was with was with was with the Lord initially they were talking and then the Lord tells him what he's going to do and Abraham shifts his position yeah and comes closer comes into that intimacy with God and then we know what he then did. He then goes on to say would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked so now he's building a case so he goes on and says oh would you also destroy the righteous with the with the wicked then suppose there are 50 righteous within the city would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the for the 50 righteous that are in it, it says far, far be it from you to do such a thing as this to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked far be it from you shall not the judge of the whole earth do right and that's what caught my attention when i read it because when he brought me here i at that point in time i didn't really realize or remember but here the lord is abraham is addressing him as the judge of the whole earth. So if we break that down, Abraham came closer. For us, probably today, we'll call that perhaps worship, or we come into that place with him, where we come into his presence, when we come into that secret place with him, where we're with him, and we are having that conversation with him, a one-on-one conversation. And of course, we talk about the importunity of Abraham in that particular thing, something only a friend can do, go before God and then make a request like this in there. And he lays out the case before God and then God responds. And they have this conversation all all the way. But if we then look what happened, Abraham goes down to 10. And he says, what if there are 10 people in there? Would you spare the city? And he's not talking about just those 10 people. He's talking about sparing the city for the sake of 10 people. That's very interesting. And it was um, Reverend A.R. Bernard that pointed out um, in one of the things I was, um, when when I was watching one of his sermons that from this account, we can see that 10 righteous people can save a whole city. Not just um, those 10 or just a few, but 10 righteous people. Why? Because God said, if I find 10, I will spare the city. So 10 righteous people can save a whole city. Think about that for a few moments. Yeah? So where there is a case or a judgment or the devil has gone to town on one day, 10 righteous people can save a city. You know, In the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, there were not 10, right? But even still in that, and this was, uh, this was amazing to me, is that God still saved the one man And his family, the one man and his family. So, God, you see that thing that Abraham said when he said, um, "That would you slay the righteous with the wicked?" Right? Far be it from you. He knew his friend that if there was a righteous person in there, he would take them out of it before he put any judgment on the people. And I remembered Noah immediately. Because Noah again is another example like that. The whole place was bad, but there was one righteous man and his family. What did God do? He took them out of that judgment before he judged the whole place in there. You know, so for, 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 for you and I, who have been um, made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can see how important we are in the cities that we live in but also in our families. Because if we maintain and keep our righteousness, not by the works we're doing, but our faith in Christ, we can always make a difference where we are, either by, I don't want to say stay in the hand of God, because it's not like that. Because, I mean, of course, he he mentioned it to Abraham, knowing what Abraham would do, knowing that Abraham will intercede, right? Uh, because of course, his desire is not to destroy, but to save. So every time where there's a righteous group of people, there's an opportunity for salvation for people in that place and not, and not judgment. So that, 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 was, that was an interesting aside in there. So having done all of that, what, what, what are we saying? What do we learn from this? What do, what do we see from this? So Jesus was talking about coming into a dimension of prayer. And I would actually call this more spiritual warfare, where we go before God and we make a case before him why certain things should change so in the case of um in the case of um the widow, it was get 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 justice for me for my adversary." We don't know what that justice was or what she was asking but the the, the summary of it all was that she was asking for something so he's in, he's he was explaining to us that we have another dimension in our in our in our um armory where we can go to God for um for as judge and ask him to be as just and as fair as he always is because he's a righteous judge he always judges rightly he always does it rightly so that that's the first thing so there's a dimension of prayer in there that dimension of prayer can be applied to individuals or cities churches or families so it can be applied to a group of people or an individual as we see with peter and as we see with job as individuals but also as we see with um with um, sodom and gomorrah um uh, as, a, as a city in itself so that dimension of prayer can be applied in there okay now um we don't always know when or how or why a permission will be granted we don't know in there um and there were some the, the two other scriptures that i, I have here that second samuel 21 verses 1 to 14. And second chronicles uh, uh, is this second Chronicles 21 or first Chronicles 21. I think that might be First Chronicles 21, actually, let me just check. Yes, First Chronicles 21, not second Chronicles 21. So first Chronicles 21. And those are accounts, two accounts. One of the Gibeonites, and the, I think the other is when um, what's his name? Um, David numbered um, the, the children of Israel. In there. So 2nd Samuel 21, verses 1 to 14, and 1st Chronicles 21. I, I just put the whole thing there. Just, just further reading, uh, we, we don't need to, but the, those are examples as well. Okay. Now, from the account with Abraham, we realize that God revealed to him what he was about to do. So that tells us that for us to be able to change or affect the legal rights, we need revelation. And that's where the Holy Spirit helps us in there. Uh, I was so tempted to go into a whole speech about here about the Holy Spirit because in that scripture in Luke um, chapter 11, in verse 13, he talks about how much more would he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him. So why did he talk about the Holy Spirit when he was talking about prayer in there? because of the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives in there. And that's where he brings to our revelation what it is, you know, when things are not going right, when we ask and seek, he will show us. So hence he says, seek and you shall find. Um, um, What's it? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. on there. So there's a role that the Holy Spirit prays for uh, plays in that part of it, because we don't always know when, or what reason uh, permission is granted or given in there um, and then um, also um, okay so um, that, that really is it um, now one of the things that we always ought to do is when we do these sorts of things we need to do it with a little bit more understanding. Now, I've tried to condense everything into a summary in one in one um, one um, session, which, honestly, to to be very frank, is so difficult to do. Um, so, I, I I would I would encourage us to actually um, try and study that a little bit um, a little bit more. Um, uh, to be able to see so to do that I am going to put a um, a file in the chat now which has my notes in there and it has all a number of scriptures that would help in one looking through this in a little bit and what I want to do is to end with an example or to end with an, uh, uh, an approach to doing this uh, what I've seen so there is a bit of a practical um application to what it is that I, I I'm just I've just shared. So let me just put this in the in the chat. Let me just send
1: it uh, in the in chat. There's a PDF that I put there. I hope you can download it. Um, um uh let's see I hope you can download that uh, to, 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 uh I
0: don't know, please let some, someone let me know if you can download it. If not, we'll have to figure out another way to do it. Okay, so now let's take a scenario. Let's take um, the scenario of sickness or illness. Um, so sometimes we have um, sickness, we don't really know why. It might be because of the way we've looked after ourselves. It might be something that... Um, just happened, we don't even know, understand why. It might be something that is what we call hereditary. It's been, it's been, um, it's been, um, what's the word? Passed down from one, one generation to another. Then too many reasons here, uh, um, but, but let's take the scenario of a, of a sickness. Um, and we want to sort of use this, um, this um, approach God as the judge to actually help us with this or to get justice for us. And why are we saying so? Because his word says to us that by his stripes we were healed. So when we see sickness in the body, it's really not from him. We also know so many different other scriptures, but I just just picked that one because that's the one that came to mind. Um, but also we know that if we go to Jesus and we ask him, if you look at the scriptures, everybody who went to him somehow got healed, yeah? You know, they didn't have to have great faith, right? But if they asked him, he healed them. He didn't turn anyone away and say, sorry, I'm not going to heal you at all. He didn't do any of that. So there are many reasons why we should have the healing. so what I want us to do in the seven minutes that is left is to take an example and I'm going to do it like as if I am approaching God. I'll try and do it slowly so that you can follow or that you can actually say it along with me if you choose to. Um, But I'm just going to I'm going to do I'm just going to give an example uh, as as a way of doing it. So if I were doing this uh, say for myself or for someone else, um, the first thing that I will do will be I'll go to God in worship. I'll come into his presence and I'll spend a little bit more time going into his presence until I am until I can feel um that well feel is not the right word, but until I am, until I get release in terms of it. So I'll worship and praise God and then I will make my case before him. Uh, and that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just come before you on my behalf, but also on behalf of those of my brothers and sisters on the core. And, Father, I just stand as a representation before you because you are the God Almighty and the righteous judge. And I approach you as the judge and the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who rules in all things. Your power and your dominion is from everlasting to everlasting. No one can resist you, neither can anyone stand against you. And you, O Lord. You, O Lord, have brought us into your family and given us, O Father, a new covenant in which we, O Father, can come to you in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, and through his blood. So we thank you, Father, for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for the blood. We thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy that enables us to come into your presence we are so grateful father receive us into your holy presence even right now and let your presence father just surround each and every one of us even as we come we are coming to you first and foremost as our father and now oh lord god almighty i ask that by your permission That I can step into your court and address you as the judge of the whole earth. Because, Lord, I see certain things that I need your judgments on my behalf for. I need you to judge in my favor. So, Jehovah Lord God Almighty, here we are. I stand before you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I agree with the testimony of the blood of Jesus Christ, who paid the price for my sin. I ask, O oh God, that you will forgive me of all the sins. I acknowledge that I sinned against you in my thoughts, in my words, and in my deeds. And perhaps, O oh Father, I have not looked after my body as I ought to have. And I have done things that I ought not to have done. And yes, it will be right for you to judge. But I plead for the mercy through the blood. And ask that you will accept the testimony of the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also his blood that speaks on my behalf. Accept the testimony, O Lord, and forgive. And cleanse. And cleanse, O Father. Cleanse, O Lord God, O righteous judge, because you accepted the testimony of the blood of Jesus Christ and said to us that our sins are washed away. I thank you that right now, every sin, every iniquity, every transgression by which the wicked one may have sought or has um, acquired permission to hurt or afflict my body. I thank you that those are blotted out and removed. I ask, Father, that you rebuke the wicked one and revoke any legal rights that he has been granted to afflict us because of your word that says that by his stripes, I was healed. And that says that he took our infirmities And bore our sicknesses. And I thank you, Jehovah God, because your word is truth. And I ask that it prevails for me. So grant unto me, I ask you, O Lord, that every sickness or disease in my body, and if you want, you can name whatever they are, whatever it might be, in the name of Jesus Christ, let it be removed because it is illegal. Jesus Christ has already paid the price. I should not bear that again. It is illegal for me to carry it twice because that says that the Lord Jesus Christ is carrying it twice. He's already taken it. So, Jehovah, Father, Lord God Almighty, O righteous judge, judge in my favor. Judge in my favor and cause your word to be fulfilled in my life. I ask. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, righteous judge. Thank you for judging in my favor. Thank you that by his stripes I am healed. Thank you. Thank you that every pain in my body lives now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. My praise is to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So that's an example. Uh, I just use that to show, to, to, to sort of demonstrate it. Again, I use my own words. You would use your own words as it is. And um, yeah, that, that, that it is. But the key thing is approaching God as the righteous judge and dealing with things that we would not ordinarily be able to deal with um, in, our, in our own knowledge or understanding. So thank you all for joining. Um, I know it was a bit of a teaching of me just ranting at you, but there was just so much. I'd have preferred to do this over a period of time where we could actually break down and discuss each part of it, but that would take so long uh, to do. But thank you all. God bless you all. And
1: see you next week.